This is Philippe C. Albuquerque. I'm the uh, editor-in-chief of the journal Neurointerventional Surgery, and I wanted to welcome you to another podcast in our series. This month, uh, we continue to focus on the editor's choice articles in the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery, and we're delighted to have Quill Turk from the Medical University of South Carolina, who is the senior author on a manuscript entitled Long-Term Experience Using the ADAPT Technique for the Treatment of Acute Stroke. Uh, Quill, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Philippe. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk about uh, aspiration and ADAPT uh, and treating stroke. I will say at the outset, Quill, uh, this uh, this is a great paper, and it builds on uh, your experience using this particular technique, which your institution uh, developed uh, and published a number of years ago uh, in the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery. And I'll say uh, at the outset that it's one of the most uh, highly cited articles that uh, we have had the pleasure of publishing at, at our journal. So, Quill, give us a little bit of a historical perspective on this technique, the ADAPT technique, which uh, is a direct aspiration first pass technique in which a catheter is brought into the intracranial circulation and used basically to aspirate a uh, thrombus or a clot that's uh, blocking one of the intracranial arteries. So how did, how did you guys come upon using this technique? What was, what was it about the first few cases that, uh, that made you try this? Yeah, so, you know, if you, if you think back to, you know, 2011, 2012, you know, we were a little bit in a, in a transition with stroke, you know, here in the U.S., you know, in Europe and other parts of the world, they had stent retrievers and they were having these amazing, you know, experiences and having very good success rates with those, but those weren't approved in the U.S. yet. So we were still kind of learning our way and what was going to be best practices. And, and at that time, we were, you know, I think a lot of people were you know, experimenting with the uh, penumbra uh, aspiration system with the separators at that time. And, you know, so we were all very experienced taking big catheters up and, and using those separators to break up clots. But the, the challenge was is that you, you would always turn an M1 occlusion into an M2, have to go chase that down and keep kind of going down in size of catheters and chasing clots further and further out um, until you finally got it. And it was, you know, inevitably you were, you were able to have good success, but it took quite a bit of effort and a lot of devices and it was always quite challenging, um, and 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 then you know mid 2012 or early 2012, you know stent retrievers became approved uh, or solitaire became approved uh, in the U.S. and um, you know and, and obviously it was, we all have learned from our European colleagues and, and watching their experiences and seeing their presentations at meetings, um, you know they evolved and in, in their learning over the several years um, um, that they had it before we did. And they had really transitioned from using stent retrievers alone to um, doing more of a salumbar technique. So when, when it became approved in the U.S., salumbar seemed to be the favored uh, method of, of using stent retrievers in that it addressed the uh, emboli to new territory uh, issue that was, that was being seen in the early experience with stent retrievers. So when, when we first uh, started using uh, stent retrievers in the U.S. in 2012, we switched from the penumbra aspiration system to, with the separator to doing a salumbar technique for for strokes, and we were we had done probably thirty or thirty five cases at that point with salumbar in, in you know late two thousand twelve, and uh, and there was a a case that kind of you know lit the the idea for us where uh, we were doing a, a balloon test occlusion on a on a gentleman, and my fellow who was working with me uh, uh, you know he he was doing the case and and 
turned a balloon test occlusion into a real occlusion, <laughs> in that uh, we, uh, we we created a, a carotid terminus uh, 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 embolus, and uh, we we took our thumb, we were like, okay, well we've got a we've got a stroke now, so let's just go do our thing and we'll slumber it and be done and you know move on. And uh, we went up and, and did the slumber and pulled the the stent retriever out through the catheter, and the stent retriever was pristine. There was it was clean. There was nothing on it, and the 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 aspiration catheter was occluded. So we said, okay, well we'll pull this out and then we'll go back and do it again. And uh, we were pleasantly surprised that the the aspiration catheter pulled out a thrombus. And then when we did a, a roadmap to 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 go back and do it again, everything was wide open. So that kind of lit a, an idea for us of, wow, we could probably just suck these things into the catheters. They're clearly big enough to hold onto a clot and to pull it out. So we tried a couple of cases uh, uh, with that, and it actually worked. So we were pleasantly surprised. And we were using a, 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 it was an ACE, and it was a, a, a Neuron 054, uh, their, their 054 aspiration catheter at that time. So I talked to a couple of a uh, couple of friends, you know, Dave Fiorella, Jay Mako, and, and and Adnan Siddiqui, and when those guys finished laughing at me for the idea, <laughs> they said, "Well, since we're your friends, we'll we'll try it and uh, and all that." So uh, they actually tried it, and they were pleasantly surprised it worked. Um, so then uh, from there, we all kind of set off to to do a series of cases, and that was our initial uh, publication experience was those initial cases. Yeah, it usually always is the one case that gets things uh, stimulated and gets things going. Um, and, and that, of course, was the beginning of ADAPT and, and published uh, again in, in 2014. So this experience now that you're discussing in your long-term um, uh, experience, I assume then, is, is a collection of these patients from 2014 uh, since that last publication until now. And that includes 191 patients. Uh, were you surprised, Quill, that uh, you were able to use the first pass technique in 145 of those 191 patients? I mean, that's that's a that's a great number. It's dramatically high. Yeah. So ADAPT is, you know, it stands for direct aspiration first pass technique. A lot of people think, oh, it's just aspiration, but it's it's really for us, it's a way to approach and treat stroke. Period. So, um, in other words, the goal is you try aspiration first. And fortunately, we're successful much of the time with that, which is why the statistics um, are so good, because aspiration is about the simplest thing you can do, and there's no uh, other devices or anything else to rely on. Uh, but it's really understanding and how well you can you know, understand the catheter and what you can do with it. Um, and then if that aspiration doesn't work, then you add salumbra to that. In other words, you put a stent retriever through the aspiration catheter, and you can do that very quickly because you already have a catheter up to the thrombus and you can then use a stent retriever or whatever other device um, that you want to uh, to then uh, uh, perform a further thrombectomy. Um, and, and we have been pleasantly surprised how well these large aspiration catheters have worked. You know, I think we're able to to get it open in, in the first uh, pass, um, you know, probably about a third of the time. Um, and oftentimes you'll put the catheter to the thrombus. We'll do aspiration for about 30 to 45 seconds. And then we'll slowly uh, pull the catheter back, and um, and typically either the clot will be stuck in the end of the catheter, um, or the clot would uh, stay in the vessel because it was it had the vessel had a stronger hold on it than we were able to exert with our aspiration uh, force, so we were able to pull it out. Um, but the nice thing is, is the, these catheters are so uh, uh, trackable and navigable and soft um, that if if the clot does just let go 
you can you can clear the catheter with a syringe, make sure there's not any thrombus associated with it, and then you can do a gentle puff to ensure either the clot pulled through or if it's still occluded, you can just simply push the catheter right back to the thrombus. You don't need to take it out and reprep it or do any of that. So it's something you can very quickly and easily do. So you can do two or three uh, or even four aspiration attempts um, in, a, in the matter of about, you know, three to five minutes. And, uh, and, and typically we found that by doing, you know, several aspiration attempts, we're able to get the clot out about three-quarters of the time with just aspiration. Yeah, Quill, cool. so uh, can you mention about how many times do you think you actually have to pass before you, um, before you get the clot? And then how quickly are you moving to the stent retriever? Is it two passes, three, or can you, can you not put a number on it? I think that it's probably somewhere in that range of three. Um, you know, the interesting thing, so as you know, when you, when you get practices with multiple people, everybody likes to do things different ways. And uh, in, in my group, we have five guys um, that we've, you know, had, you know, we've all been here for several years and kind of evolved through this. And this is actually the one technique and the one disease that we treat that we all do everything the same way. So I think that speaks uh, volumes to me about how well it works um, um, once you understand it and, and, and do it. Um, but I think most of us give it about three three attempts with aspiration, um, and if that doesn't work, then we simply add, you know go through the thrombus with a smaller catheter um, and, and deploy a stent retriever and do a salumbar technique at that point. Um, so your success rate with aspiration alone is uh, just over seventy six percent, and your rate of achieving a modified ranking of zero to two at ninety days was fifty five percent. And uh, your average time to recanalization was just over 30 minutes. So these are excellent numbers. Uh, one of the one of the real uh, I think popular issues now is is looking at institutions and seeing how their stroke workflow uh, works at those institutions, particularly the high volume ones. Can you tell us a little bit about your angio team uh, and the stroke workflow in your uh, angio unit? I think before I hit onto what we actually do, I think that one, um, you know, JNIS um, needs to be um, applauded for a lot of the work that you guys have done because, you know, one of the things that's really helped us with our program is uh, you guys published a paper by Ansar Rye and his group in West Virginia where they took a Six Sigma approach to look at the when a patient hits the door, how do you isolate and, and look at the as the patient travels through your system from the door to imaging, imaging to uh, to, to, to the angio suite and then angio suite to the procedure being finished and and by breaking everything out into finite areas that the patient goes through you can look at the steps that are involved in each of those areas and really focus on how to take out things that don't need to be done and how to really expedite the system so we we really have taken that approach for our team and our system and that you know we found that when when the patients are in our angio suite that part of our team does very good but we have to realize that you know, we're now stroke physicians. We're not necessarily interventionists, so we need to we need to help affect our 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 whole system. And it's it's really the stroke team, including our our stroke neurologist, our radiology techs, our interventional techs, um, the people that are transporting the patients up, the ED uh, team. I mean, everybody. You know, we're all actually all one team. It's not just our our team in the angio suite. And I think approaching that in that fashion really helped us uh, affect our our times and, and, and uh, make things much more efficient. Um, and for our team in the angio suite, um, you know, the nice thing about, about uh, the ADAPT technique is 
we all do the same thing every time so that the techs and the nurses know exactly what's going to happen. Um, it's a standardized process, so we always have an, a, a, a guide catheter with the diagnostic insert and a wire, so it's a one-step access into the vasculature. Um, the the, uh, the uh, aspiration system is, is already put together on the back table and ready to go, so as soon as you have access, that system's being put up. So everything is done ahead of time. We know exactly what we're doing, and there's no delays by trying to figure out what devices and opening them and prepping them and doing all that. Yeah, that, that, that makes it incredibly uh, simpler. Uh, the easier a process is, uh, the fewer the steps, uh, certainly the, it, <laughs> it has a tendency to be much more effective, and, and that certainly is the case with, uh, with the ADAPT technique. Quill, can you see, um, going, uh, looking at your, in your crystal ball, how the ADAPT technique could be studied in the future through randomized controlled trials? Uh, should it be compared to stent retrieval, retrieval alone? Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and actually, that's already uh, in the process of being done. Um, the French, the uh, uh, Michel Piatin and his uh, colleagues over uh, in France, they've done a, a French study um, with uh, comparing ADAPT uh, approach to a stent retriever first approach. And um, they, uh, they're in the process of, uh, uh, they, they've already actually reported their, their angiographic and procedure uh, statistics and uh, and they found that um, they were able to achieve very similar revascularization rates between uh, both uh, techniques um, the only difference being that the adapt uh, the aspiration first uh, group was uh, the procedure times were significantly faster uh, but otherwise all other at least acute procedure and uh, uh, metrics were similar and I believe they'll be reporting um, uh, um, here soon their clinical outcomes um, at the same time, in the U.S., we are uh, well into a, a trial called COMPASS, which is uh, doing the same thing, where we're comparing a, an aspiration-first uh, approach to a stent retriever-first approach. And we anticipate being finished with enrollment in uh, July. And hopefully, at the SNIS annual meeting, we'll be able to have at least the procedural data that, uh, that we can present. Well, I'll wrap up this uh, podcast and thank Quill Turk again for his contribution to long-term experience using the ADAPT technique for the treatment of acute ischemic stroke. Thanks, Philippe. Appreciate the time. You can get more information on this manuscript on the JNIS website. 